0: Hello, everyone, welcome back to the So Far So Good podcast. This week, we're taking things back to basics and discussing a topic that's consistently debated freedom of speech and whether our right to free speech is under threat. Now, before we get into things, what is freedom of speech? Well, my podcast audio friends, I do have a definition here that I will read out. So, the legal definition coined in 1998 through the Human Rights Act is as follows Everyone has the right to freedom of expression. This right should include freedom to hold opinions and to receive and impart information and ideas without interference by public authority and regardless of frontiers. Okay, now that is a little bit long-winded. I guess in short, free speech is our ability to think and say as we please in a democratic society, whatever your views may be, without any repercussions. And this exact notion or civil right has been a topic of conversation debated throughout history. It's definitely come into prominence again in the last 10 years with the emergence of social media and the internet. We just have to look back to events in France only six years ago. Perhaps the most notorious example in our recent history of our freedom to speak being under threat, the Charlie Hebdo attacks. After the murders at the headquarters of magazine Charlie Hebdo, France became a different, more nervous country facing fundamental questions about free speech and religion. I believe in free speech, but let's not go too far. The point about it is the moment you limit free speech, it's not free speech. The point about it is that it's free. The fact that you dislike them has got nothing to do with their right to speak. Now, they'd obviously made themselves a target, you know, repeatedly drawing the Prophet Muhammad and mocking Islamic fundamentalism. Was it Islamophobic? I'm not too sure myself, but it did perpetuate things. However, this example of Muslim satire was of course extremely poor taste but then leads to the big question that we're talking about today. Is free speech in crisis? And I've been discussing this with some of my friends this week, you know, the whole debate really stems around whether there is a free speech breaking point, you know, is there a line and should there be a line, you know, at which point does hateful, harmful or controversial speech, at what point should that be banned? So then how do we police that? Surely then that contradicts the whole notion. Recently Gavin Williamson, our Education Secretary, unveiled a series of measures aimed at protecting free speech at British universities. The new proposals are an attempt to strengthen academic freedom at universities in England, banning no platforming. Now this has caused a bit of a stir with academics fearing it could give universities the green light to Platform transphobes, homophobes, sexists, and racists under the guise of free speech. So, we clearly have a debate, but do we have a problem? To help me dissect everything, I'm speaking to Emily Watkins, a freelance journalist who has written for publications such as Grazia, The Eye Paper, Apollo, and The Independent. It was Emily's article in The Independent where she stated that free speech is in fact thriving at universities, such as Cambridge, despite their recent free speech row. And this really prompted our conversation. Hello. Hi, Emily. How are you?
1: I'm good. How are
0: you? Yeah, I'm not too bad, thanks. I mean, it's it's Friday. I'm always in a I'm always in a relatively good mood on a on a Friday, so I can't really complain. Just to kick things off, then Emily, do you mind telling the the listeners just a bit about yourself and how you got into publishing articles for like the Independent? Sure. Well, I well, studied
1: English at university and um, started freelancing a couple of years ago working more in the art world than I was writing about art and now um, sort of writing about things beyond art and um, yeah a, a couple couple of opinion pieces the one you picked up is you know one of only two opinion pieces um, but freedom of speech you know when someone asks you to write about freedom of speech
0: it's yeah.
1: um, hard to say no because it is a
0: obviously fascinating topic I I briefly mentioned the one that you wrote in The Independent where you stated how free speech isn't under threat and is is thriving at universities so for those that you know who aren't aware do you mind explaining just the story behind your article and what the whole Cambridge Row was all about
1: sure so the Cambridge Row is one instance which was cited in a report by a think tank called and they were trying to find like a metric to report on the sort of the state of free speech at universities. And right. um, I guess amid the sort of slight hysteria about you no know, platforming um speakers or the idea that academics are being censored um when they're trying to talk about tricky topics. Mm-hmm. Um and so um the that report by Civitas put universities into one of three categories like a traffic light so green is you know great you can say anything you want you know friendly i think they call it then the amber's like freedom of speech you know could be better and then red was you know we've got a problem and then uh and according to that uh according to those metrics not very many fall into the green category so basically the report you know is coming out with the conclusion that freedom of speech at British universities or universities in the UK is not, not great. Mm. Um, the Cambridge row that I'm talking about in mm-hmm. the article um, was about Sir Ronald Fisher, who was a fellow and then a president at one of the colleges in Cambridge. And after he died in the 60s, um, I think in the 80s, they put up a sort of special commemorative a window. a window, window, wasn't it? Yeah. For him, mm-hmm.
0: yeah. Um, and been uh, much more recently objected to the the window that had been there for a while and eventually the college decided that they would take it down. Mm. Yeah, because yeah. It's, it's, it's fascinating for sure because you would think that these institutions would sort of pride themselves on being able to put forward different ideas and learning through debate, mm. which is obviously a critical part of what these universities and colleges do. But what was it specifically about... Um, Dr. Fisher's legacy at you know one of the world's oldest and most respected institutions that caused these students to sort of take action really. Well,
1: there's a good answer to that, and it's um, that he was a eugenicist, and he wasn't you know a sort of closet eugenicist. Mm-hmm. He was the uh, founder of uh, the University of Cambridge Eugenics Society. Right. Okay. You know, it, it's not like. Going through someone's archives and finding an off-color comment, comment you know, yeah, I, of think, I think eugenics is, is something that <laughs> you would hope most, yeah. <laughs> you know, right or left wing would sort
0: of, you know,
1: we've all come to a collective conclusion that that's you know a pretty gross idea.
0: Following that, was there some sort of judgment? I read something around, you know, it was they come to a judgment of being respect respectful or intoler intolerable. Was it something along those lines, or
1: it's? I don't know how connected they were necessarily, but it's so actually just before Civitas report came out, the Dons at Cambridge had voted on an amendment to something, but basically it meant that you couldn't—they changed the the criteria for barring someone from speaking publicly from uh, views that you respect to views that you tolerate, right. which m- Pretty much makes no platforming there mm, okay. pretty difficult. So that you know that was meant to be a sort of victory for free speech. You know that we don't have to respect everybody's views, sure. but we we do tolerate them. Um, so yes, yeah, that was the that was the update.
0: So then, there. so then, um, would would Cambridge University then fall into the green category?
1: No, it falls into the red category in but the civitas report i think actually all the russell group ones do or the a lot of them anyway okay and
0: Um, i I don't know whether potentially i've got my uh my my colors mixed up so so does red mean that there's completely free speech in in these universities then
1: i know red is bad bad speech
0: right i see yeah um
1: so most yeah most restrictive that was foot yeah red 48 48 of the universities,
0: which is 35%, including the three highest ranked, I'm
1: mm-hmm. just
0: looking at the report, high, three highest ranked universities. Interesting. So, yeah. So, if I equate what's, um, what happened to Ronald Fisher, for instance, to, mm-hmm. to what's going on today. So, cancel culture is so rife within our society at the minute. Individuals who achieve so much, and, you know, mm-hmm. Ronald Fisher, whichever sort of um, side of the spectrum that you find yourself on, um, you can argue that what his work was, a, you know, a pioneer—not a pioneer, but as in it was something innovative in in his field of study, right? And him yeah. him being a Cambridge alumni, and like you said, a president of the was it a president of the college that he was? I think or? So, yeah. But yeah. you know, people like that are often persecuted for their beliefs. So does this ultimately undermine the notion of freedom of speech?
1: I think that. The window example, and then cancel culture. Mm-hmm. I think. I think like the. It's a bit like the, the taking down the monuments, you know, the the Colston statue and stuff. I don't. I think, you know, a commemorative window memorialising someone, you know, is is a bit like having a statue of them in a, mm. in a you know, public square. It's not. It, it's more like retracting a sort of enormous accolade isn't it you know taking back a privilege rather than denying anyone a right to something you know you only get a special window you know most most people in the you know in the world 99.9999% will never have a commemorative window you know (laughs) and that that is not a fundamental right I don't I know (laughs) it's not like sleeping eating freedom of speech you know, to the right to have a because in a this special case window.
0: Yeah, because yeah. in this case he's been glorified for his uh for his uh you know, his work on eugenics, isn't he? And um, well, yeah,
1: all statistics, you know, he wasn't yeah, I'm not sure what the window was, you know, I think he was in the stats mm. department but, you know, I'm not an expert. I don't know if it was we love eugenics window. Yeah. But nonetheless <laughs> it was a window to a man who 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 was pretty keen on it. Uh yeah, I think cancer culture and and the things like, you know, taking down taking down a window which is saying this person is really special, we respect this person, more than almost you know,
0: he's in the upper, upper echelons of the people we respect is quite different, you know, rather yeah, than course.
1: someone saying something stupid or gross or whatever on Twitter and then having their lives ruined, that's just a different question I think.
0: So then, um, so then let me ask you that question then Emily, do you think hmm. that, do you think people then should be held accountable for their views no matter what they are. We've seen, like I said, so many examples of celebrities or people of interest tweeting um homophobic, racist or sexist yeah. ideas, you know, sometimes maybe in tongue in cheek, back you know, back when they were aired, and then completely berated for them in their adult yeah. lives. Is that right? If we're talking about people should be able to view their opinions and not judged for their past in a sense?
1: I mean you know you're not gonna. I don't know if we're ever going to get to a point, or if we should get to a point where one doesn't get judged on their opinions. Even if you get judged, you know, judged in a in a good light, you mm-hmm. know, we we're all going to have opinions about opinions. <laughs> 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 um, but the, I think. I mean, I do. I think it's a sort of case by case thing, isn't it? And my version of what ought to be out of out of line and of the question is going to be different to someone else. The the stuff that makes my toe curl or mm. make my blood boil is going to be you know i don't know if jordan peterson <laughs> you know i don't think i don't think what he says should be illegal but mm. i do think it's useful <laughs> and i reserve my right you know if he's allowed to say that women are chaos and men are order mm. then i think i must surely be allowed to say I think that's stupid, but it's the hang drawing and quartering, isn't mm, it, of, yeah. of people. And and I, I mean, it's a, a case by case thing, I think, shortly. Um, but again, it's subjective. My version will be different to someone else's version. I think we probably have to make, you know, there's something about the internet is there. You can revisit it, you can replay the video, you yeah, can retweet, exactly. thing, dig out it? the tweet. Mm. And it's there in black and white in a way that, you know, something stupid you said at a dinner party. No one would quite be able to remember, you know, <laughs> ten years later. Um, and so, you know, it's a different arena. Someone who says something stupid on Twitter, mm. we, uh, you know, we all say stupid things, don't we? And however angry it makes you, we maybe have to be,
0: yeah,
1: a little less ferocious, um, because because we all we all do it, you know, do things not to say. For anyone to so say,
0: I've never said anything so offensive. Exactly, yeah. because I think with the whole cancel culture um, phenomenon, it doesn't really mm. give, for me, it doesn't really give anyone room for growth, you know, because I think back yeah. to... I'm sure people that be, that will be listening to this will have friends of friends or they'll know people or they themselves would have been on Twitter or Facebook, you know, when they're 14, 15, talking, talking all sorts, you know. And then if you look at yourself in, you know, six, seven years later, and it doesn't give yourself that growth to actually understand that X, Y, Z is wrong for you to say. But I feel like what you said Definitely. leads very nicely onto my next question. So mm-hmm. you mentioned in your article um, that mm-hmm. freedom of speech is a fundamental right of being human so is is freedom of speech absolute and if not where do we then draw the line
1: well i mean i don't know there's a lot of places where it isn't a fund you know it isn't legally recognized as a fundamental right of being human but um i i think it probably ought to be although that's uh yes. Yeah, so that's a that's an easy thing to say mm-hmm. but then as you as you point out and as I wrote um, yeah. it was yeah. a great line
0: like, <laughs> that, that little paragraph just really hit me and I was like this is, this is amazing <laughs> well, well, it's, yeah, well
1: it's, yeah the Venn diagram my freedom to insult you infringes on your freedom not to be insulted doesn't it and like this is just what the world is made of is mm. people trying to balance these conflicting freedoms and trying to work out where the scales should rest what Civitas was doing was interesting because these are really abstract notions and you know, uh, like you know, like my definition of offensive will be different. My definition of freedom of speech will be different. I don't think no platforming is contravening freedom of speech, someone else will disagree with me. So it was interesting the way the civil was trying to find a metric for it. Hmm. You know, that we could agree on agree on a measure for it. You yeah. know, but there are there are checks and balances for it and there are limits to freedom of speech because there are instances where speech moves beyond the realm of legality it yeah. or or libel or, Ill. yeah, hate speech yeah. and all of
0: those things are in a legal class mm. Yeah, um, because that's where the whole sort of argument and this whole debate sort of stems mm, from, isn't it? Because mm. hate speech becomes a pillar of free speech and then subsequently what is then acceptable as free speech that sort of becomes a matter of opinion, does it not?
1: So I mean, yeah I, well, yeah, I mean, I'm sure you know Remember that guy at the in the videos and Storming the Capital, the guy in the Viking helmet. Mm. You know, like he yeah, would yeah. he he wouldn't think that what Donald Trump had been saying was citing
0: Violence or whatnot, yeah.
1: Violence. But then there he was storming the capital. So I mean no one thinks they're the bad guy. Everyone thinks they're right. Even the worst guy thinks they're the good guy. Mm. You know, but no no one thinks they're no one thinks they're wrong. <laughs> That's the <thing> about <laughs> having an opinion. So you know, if you believe something, you you believe it. And and but there are legal definitions. I'm you know I'm not a lawyer, but there yeah. there are you know the UK has has come up with legal definitions for when something becomes hate speech. Yeah. Um, and I think I'm, I don't know. I'm assuming it's when something when speech is yeah likely to incite violence or or crime or you know it's like saying I. If I if someone tweeted women should all be I don't know dragged in the streets that should I, you know mm. that's surely we're, you know we're yeah
0: there's a clear distinction then, an isn't instruction
1: they, yeah, yeah we're, that's like you could say that was encouraging think mm. women um, but it is it's a fine line women should let let's <laughs> you know, it's different, isn't it? you get into
0: semantics. Yeah, but, exactly. You know, because yeah, that's yeah. the that's I feel like that's what the whole the whole reason that we, that I'm doing this podcast this week anyway is because of this whole blurred line and gray area. You know, mm. you can arrest someone for um threatening or abusive speech like you've alluded to, and it's all very dependent on the circumstances and it might yeah. be a, it might be an appropriate response. But then, you know, language or behavior that's just insulting. Should it ever really yeah. be criminalized in this way because you know the clear problem with outlawing something that's insulting is that too many things can be interpreted as such um and yeah. then and then it goes back to what I what I asked on my on my Instagram the other day it was in in your opinion then do you think that our society is overly sensitive then to things that are said?
1: I think it's a really weird sort of overlapping circle at the moment, you know, because you've got the old guard on one hand, mm. you know, crying snowflake, as though, as though that's not, you know, they're offended. Yeah. They're offended. Mm. They're offended by, you know, and they're, they're offended by a generation of people coming up and going, hey, you know, the way you think about gender and race and class and, you know, ability and disability, is like there's a problem here and they're
0: offended by that yeah it's a tough one isn't it yeah Mm. yeah,
1: we should leave a little bit of room like you say for people to um people to grow and decide that
0: yeah
1: and change their minds and and things like that
0: um because yeah because i was having a conversation with uh with one with one of my friends about this about the Mm -hmm. whole um, are we overly sensitive or or whatnot i mean for me I don't, I don't think we're overly sensitive, for me I just think we're a bit more sensitive and whilst that might be a really contradictory, confusing, politically correct statement, the reason, <laughs> the reason that I'm wary to use the term overly sensitive mm. is that I feel like people have always had a strong response to views that they don't align with, you know, views that are different, <laughs> different to their own, which has obviously grown exponentially throughout human history. But what we yeah. really need to look at is sort of the context of the time that we live in. You know, throughout history, you can look at how churches, for instance, influenced the views of how regimented people's lives were, you know, the monarchy, the press. Um, and now we live in a fairly progressive society where quote-unquote free of speech and freedom to think has evolved since those days. You know, you're not going to be stoned in the street for speaking out against, um, I don't know, like a religious scripture or anything. And, but never has there been more opportunity for people, whatever their views are, to voice them, you know, with the power of the internet, anyone can say anything and about anything, whenever they like, and while some might argue this you know, numbs our society the more exposure you get to something and the more accustomed you are to it, for me it invokes a greater response, because people can hear more about views or ideas that completely contrast their own, and so I don't think that we are overly sensitive, I feel like yes, we are just sensitive to, to what is out there
1: I think like the, you know I'm sure you know. I know that Jen said, and millennials are not one homogenous blob. I don't know. We should look this up, but I, I think that you know it's the most, um, you know, the highest educated, most diverse
0: generation. You know, that, yeah, generation, yeah, of course,
1: yeah. you know, and the things that I think when you see this conversation happening, it's, there's this idea that you know we're like we're super woke, right? Yeah. If that word, um, and and I do think you know in this in this whole freedom of speech thing, like, there are a lot of, I mean, but here we are subjective, right, and look, it would with me, but there are, I think, you know, the, whether or not that gets a bit ferocious, sometimes, it's coming from, from, I think it's coming from a good place, and it's mm-hmm. about, ah, white people are going to be fine, men are going to be fine, like, straight people are going to be fine, mm-hmm. like, if we, if we stop inviting them to round tables for a bit, you know, like, the world is, Built by white men mm. and straight white men, and so you know, if we sort of hand the microphone over for a little bit, and it looks like you know you're hearing more from one side of the table than another for a bit. You know, we've got ten thousand years to make up. Yeah. <laughs> you know, <laughs> um, so I don't. You know, and actually, yeah, I think I think there's quite a lot of fragility in the kind of you know, but it's just it's a straw man and painting here, but he's kind of middle aged and he mm. voted Tory and <laughs> you know, <laughs> la 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 feels threatened by that. Yeah. You know, like he he because he's not you know, it's it sort of implies a world where he might not be at the top of the pyramid. Where they know, might not win basically, yeah. Yeah, well he's pretending he's not at the top of the pyramid as well and like he he is. We have so much ground to make up and we have to make a lot of noise. Mm. I really, I think we do have to be really loud. Because he's gonna be fine, but a lot of people aren't. You know, if we don't kick up a real fuss, mm-hmm. we have to be noisy and brave. But you know, mm-hmm. one might
0: one might say that the the notion of no platforming um, mm-hmm. is again a contradiction of our fundamental right. So, can we really have freedom of speech in society when those, for instance, are openly mm-hmm. racist, sexist, homophobic, xenophobic, mm-hmm. whatever? are are silenced are we not just promoting the idea that um that yeah you can say what you like it's your god-given right to speak you've been given an opinion blah, 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 mm-hmm. but oh xyz that's completely un- unacceptable like where does that sort of balance um in in your mind um lie yeah me what i think about no
1: platforming i'm not a not a huge fan of it like i think i think you should I hate talking to but I think I think he should be allowed to to talk at the thing, you know? I think he should be allowed to talk at the thing. But I also think if you stop him talking at the thing then he becomes this kind of martyr, you know. And and yeah, he's gotta be he's gotta be able to talk at the thing and then he's got to be up for you know, the mic being passed around afterwards and people saying there's a problem with that thought, mm. but you know he's. I've got every right to have a problem with that thought, in the same way he's got a right to have the thought, express mm-hmm. the thought. I don't think one. I don't. You know, it, I'm. No platforming is funny because a platform again is is like an enormous privilege. When a platform is not like, you know, if you if you uninvite Nigel Farage, there's nothing stopping him having that. You know, standing on a street corner and saying it, or like saying. Whatever he wanted to say mm. that was problematic to his mates at the pub. There's no, so he is free to speak. It just doesn't, you know. it's maybe it's bad manners to uninvite someone, yeah. but I don't know if it's contravention of freedom of speech. But then, having said that, like, yeah, I think it's maybe counterproductive, and you know, yeah, yeah.
0: let him let so, him talk. Because um, yeah, because for me, Emily, like the the whole freedom of speech thing is, it's all to do with. Um, the equality of being heard, but then when it becomes well, yeah. when it comes to racism, sexism, and um, mm. xenophobia, you know, h- h- you know, homophobia, mm. whatnot, that's intolerably wrong because you're denying people um, equality, aren't you? Because you're creating a hierarchy of human worth, which causes serious harm to to the people that you're targeting. When you say something sexist or
1: racist or homophobic, you
0: mean, yeah? You're contradicting sure. the, the whole notion of free speech because free speech should be you should be allowed to voice your opinions and voice your views and everyone should be on the same sort of level playing field in that sense and then when you voice those sort of opinions that are racist sexist or whatever you're completely undermining that whole notion and you know some well, people. Yes.
1: Yeah. yeah i mean i think this is probably where like you know where the, where where it gets sticky not that mm. i disagree with what you're saying but like People's people's definitions of what is homophobic or what is you know I've
0: had lots of so
1: conversations forth. with you know sort of nasty men at pubs and I'm like no no I totally respect women it's just that you know mm. I don't think they should have jobs or be able to read mm. <laughs> and so you know so I totally respect you I just don't <laughs> but the <laughs> you know
0: and I don't So I don't mean I to mean, laugh but. <laughs>
1: No, it's funny, no, it's meant to be funny, yeah, Um, but, you know, I don't know, I'm sure you've come up up with similar things, and of course it feels, you know, fundamentally what that person is saying is like, yeah, at the the very, very root of that is like, I don't, I don't respect you, Mm. (laughs) you know, even if it's just like a, like a bad joke, that's the, that's the implication but then this is probably where the twitter pylons come in mm. isn't it like yeah. you know i can't speak about homophobia or racism or you know or um ableism but you know i've had plenty of tricky conversations um about about women's in my time and yeah i don't however however fundamentally undermining those conversations are and those opinions are i don't I, still, I don't think
0: that it should be illegal. Hmm. I don't. Um, I
1: mean, it'd be nice if they were. But yeah, <laughs> but like, I, I don't know how it's not workable, and I don't. I don't. It's yeah. Then, it's, you
0: know, it'd be very hard to implement into into a, a Western society. Yeah, sort of thing. Yeah. yeah, and then you know, then there'd be an equal and opposite, and then I couldn't say things like, you
1: know, why do men keep starting podcasts? That kind of thing.
0: That would be Is that, that, a, mean, is, that is that a slight dig towards my my uh my podcast anyway? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I Lies. saw a I saw Lies. someone sent me uh someone sent me a hilarious tweet the other day. They sent me uh it was uh something along the lines of why don't men just go to therapy and why do they start podcasts instead? <laughs> it's a classic. Literally, and <laughs> I I, don't know. I, felt, I felt I felt so attacked, but, I felt attacked, but I mean. <laughs> I felt attacked legal, but I didn't really know how to language. Yeah, like I didn't really know yeah. how to how to come back from that, but I mean it was a it was a fair point for your if you're raising it as well. Um <laughs> it's a classic. it have been floating <laughs> around the
1: internet for a long time. I definitely didn't come up with it. Yeah.
0: Um, anyway, yeah. Yeah. I did have uh, I did have one last question for you, oh, yeah. um cool. my my last question is um is along with the with the whole title and theme of this uh of this episode. Mm-hmm. Is is free is freedom of speech in crisis in your opinion
1: um no i don't think so i think you know the gavin williamson has got a sort of a, a bee in his bonnet about it and it's quite a good distraction from you know covid uni mm. car crash um I don't. I don't think so. I, I mean, we we have to keep an eye on these things. You know, we have to. We have, and it's good to have these conversations. And you know, it, it, it's a bit like you know the difficult conversations we're joking about making illegal. You know, mm-hmm. that's how you get places. We have to keep an eye on it. And I don't mean it never will be. You know, it's fine. Let's never like look at it again. Look at it all the time. Um, and you know, I've been at university for for years because I'm a thousand years old so it might be you know maybe maybe things have changed um, mm. but it, it wasn't a sense it wasn't a sense I had and I I think yeah there's a the, the illusion that freedom of speech is being impinged upon by people um, having <laughs> people being exposed to other people's freedom of speech you know I think that's just freedom of speech working mm you know, rather than not working.
0: It was great to have Emily on, and she touched on so many good points as to why we're not necessarily in crisis. The Cambridge example being a primary reason as to why the notion is actually thriving. What constitutes free speech will always to some degree be a subject of controversy and speculation. It's a bit of a grey area, and it becomes subjective in many instances. Like Emily alluded to, whether you agree or disagree, or find something deeply offensive or not, this will always vary from individual to individual. For me, hatred and words inciting violence just don't have any place in our lives. Debate and difference of opinion, diversity of thought, they're all fundamental in a modern democratic society. I for one, don't believe that we're in crisis. You know, while some of you might disagree, for me, anyone and everyone is entitled to to their opinion, to say whatever they want to say. However, using hate speech just only undermines the validity of someone's argument. And yeah, it's just got no place in our society. I'll leave you with a uh, with a quote actually, well, uh, a little clip from one of Ricky Gervais's interviews on free speech. Um, I feel like it summarizes our, you know, this whole, podcast episode quite well
1: it's a really weird thing that there's this new trendy myth that people who want free speech want it to say awful things all the time
0: this just isn't true it protects everyone but so the two catastrophic problems with the term hate speech is, one, what constitutes hate speech? Everyone disagrees. There is no consensus on what hate speech is, right? And two, who decides? And there's the real rub, Because obviously the people who think they want to close down um, free speech because it's bad are the fascists. And what's never should be in place is that you mustn't say some, that someone somewhere might find offensive because someone somewhere will find everything offensive and as i've said so many times just because you're offended it doesn't mean you're right thanks for that ricky well said um and yeah nothing like a bit of copyright infringement to round off this week's podcast uh thank you again to emily for joining us on this week's episode uh really enjoyed speaking to her Check out the article in The Independent for Yourselves. It'll be in the episode description as well as how to read more of Emily's work. I definitely recommend you all to do so. She's great. And yeah, thank you all again for listening. I shall see you all next week. Goodbye.